All right, turn with me to Psalm chapter 8. One right after that song that anybody's left in the church. I don't know about y'all, I was ready to run out the back door and start running down the road and telling everybody I ain't going to be here much longer. Get a good look at me now. This week we start our series, The Names of God, and I've entitled this message this morning, How Majestic is His Name. And so starting this morning to the end of the year, we'll take a momentary detour from our series, Follow Me, walk through the Gospel of Luke for a topical series on the names of God. So why a topical series? Well, our go as a church based on Colossians 1.28 is to present every man, woman, mature in Christ. And our method is that of Paul, which in Acts 20, 27, he said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And so I feel that the best way to do that is to preach expository, book by book, verse by verse, but yet at times God's people need topical preaching. And so thus the series. Well, why the names of God? Well, in short, because Jimmy and I get to pick. <laughs> All joking aside, we polled several in the church, and this one won out, so to speak. But think about it, what's in a name? A whole lot. Now, we wouldn't know that in our day versus the ancient day. In our day, we just pick a name from the top ten list. Maybe we name our kid Colton after the Indianapolis Colts. Or we name our kid Lamangelo after Lemon Jello. Or maybe your waitress has a name tag and you say, Oh, is your name Waitress? She says, No, it's Watrice. <laughs> but it took a few of y'all second to get that one. Y'all still on Lamangelo, ain't you? But in ancient days, name was more than just nomenclature. It carried important information. In fact, names were so important, what did God a lot of times do? Change somebody's name. Abram went from exalted father to Abraham, father of multitude, and Sarai, my princess, to Sarah, mother of nations, after God's covenant. Jacob went from hill grabber to Israel, one who prevails after he wrestled with God all night. Did you know that Solomon in his infancy was named by God Jedidiah? Solomon being peace and Jedidiah being beloved of the Lord. And when he changed his relationship with his people, God changed Hosea's children's name from Lo Ami, not my people, to Ami, my people, and Lo Ruma, not pity, to Ruma, one who shows compassion. And then you know Simon, son of John, God has heard to Peter, a rock after Peter's great confession. And so knowing God's names is like unlocking a treasure chest. Second Peter 3.18 tells us that we should grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so as we go through this series, what we'll learn about God is that His character is so deep, He's got a name for every aspect of His character. And He's got some 200 plus, potentially 956 names. What it'll teach us about us is that God's power is so immense, He's got a name for every situation you find yourself in. Amen? Amen. And so to get us thinking well on this subject this morning of the names of God, wouldn't you agree names are important? When a wife gets married, what does she do? Takes on the name of her husband, Mr. and Mrs. Evan Bowers. A child is adopted, what happens? Will you get to just keep the same name you had? No. A lot of times they take the name of their parents. And nicknames a lot of times reflect more than one's given name. If you know in my house, a lot of times they do not refer to me as Dad or Buffy, it's Rick. It's a nickname, resident in charge, and it means much to myself. Think about how potent names are. You think there's many uh, parents that are going to name their kids Adolf Hitler? Think there's any American parents that are going to name their kids Benedict Arnold? I sure know there ain't no Ugandan parents that are going to name their kids Idi Amin. And think about what happens when someone mispronounces our name. We're dishonored and disrespected. When I get letters in the mail that says Miss Bussy Cook, 
Or when people say Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Buffy and Jody, we feel disrespected that they mispronounce it. You remember in Karate Kid? And he mispronounces the dojo and he says, no, it's Miyagi-Do Karate. And he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. If you really want to get under my wife's skin, then spell her name V-I-C-K-I-E instead of V-I-C-K-Y. And so if we're to sing with David as he does in Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, we're going to have to learn the revealing of his name, the knowing of his name, the hallowing of his name, the abusing of his name, and the fearing of his name. So stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy and perfect word, Psalm chapter 8. David writes, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. You ever notice that sometimes a baby that ain't got no sense can say a whole lot more about the Lord than an atheist that's got 900 degrees on the wall? When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You ever look at a sunset and just say, Lord, it's amazing that you made this, but then it's more amazing that you even care about me. That's right. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. And you all see that. That right there is permission for Jimmy and I to go deer hunting here in a couple months. Isn't that right, brother? Jimmy said, Amen. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The Word of God to the people of God, preaching the power of the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your perfect Word. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be in your pulpit today. Father, there's not a thing that I did to deserve to be up here, but Father, I thank you for the opportunity. And Father, I pray that you would just hide me behind your cross because, Father, our people here today don't need to hear from Buffy Cook. They need to hear from Jehovah Jair, the one who provides, the one who gives us what we need through your holy and perfect word. And so, Father, I pray that you would just show us something from your word today that, Father, we with David could sing, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And, Father, when you do, we'll surely turn the glory back to you. Father, forgive us in the many ways in which we have failed you and bless the remainder of this service in the name that is above every name, and that is Jesus. And the word of, and the people of God said, Amen. Amen. First, let's look at revealing his name because if we're to sing with David, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, the first thing we must learn is the revealing of God's name. Turn to Romans chapter 3. In Romans 2, Paul says, being a Jew, don't get you to heaven. And so that left many thinking, well, what's the point? I mean, if being a Jew don't get you to heaven, who wants to undergo circumcision, right? Why go through all the stuff we as Jews have to go through? Is there any advantage to being a Jew? The same can be said for being a Baptist, can it not? Will being a Baptist get you to heaven? No. Neither will Church of Christ. Neither will Methodists. It's a matter of the heart. So many would say, well, what's the point then? Have you heard people say that? Well, then what's the point? Why should I even join a church? Why should I even go to church at all? Is there any advantage to being a Baptist? And so Paul anticipates this response and he gives a definitive answer in Romans 3, verse 1 to 2. So listen to it. Then what advantage has the Jew? Then what advantage has the Baptist? Or what is the value of circumcision? Or what is the value of being baptized and come to church every Sunday? He says, much in every way to begin with, the Jews, the Baptists, were entrusted with the oracles of God. You want to know an immense advantage that we have? It's right here. You can go to Harvard and get the best education on the planet and you can be dumb as a box of rocks. Because that used to be me. You can get all A's and you can get an F. And you can go to hell and bust it wide open. 
You can be LeBron James and others and have all the money in the world, and if you don't have this as your foundation and as your rock, it's nothing but shifting sand. And so our biggest advantage is the Word of God, and I want us to think about this. Without the Word of God, we would make two massive errors. And think about it, we see this all the time. First is with regards to the nature and purpose of man. The nature of man. What do we say? Well, I'm a good person. Well, what about this little child? They're innocent. And I would I love to think of my children as innocent, but let me tell you, 18 years of living with them taught me something different. If you think kids are innocent, then you need to go back to the nursery and you need to spend time back in the nursery and see it a year and a half when they're punching each other in the face because one of them's got the other's rattled. <laughs> We're not good. In the Bible, we would not know that if it were not for in Romans 3.10. Look at what it says. No one is good. What does no one mean in the Greek? No one. And so, that's our nature within our purpose. For thousands upon thousands of years, people have wondered what is our purpose, and we think our purpose is purposeless, that we don't have a purpose. What is our purpose? Our purpose is, first of all, to be saved. And second, once you are saved, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And you wouldn't know that purpose if you didn't have the Word of God. Second is the nature and character of God. The nature of God. Have you ever heard people say things that God did or that God has caused evil? When we look at St. Jude and we say, why do we have to have St. Jude? What would some people do? Ascribe evil to God. That the only reason we have St. Jude and cancer and this is that is because God is an evil God. And when we think about His character, what do most people say? Well, I'll take the God of the New Testament, but I don't want the God of the Old Testament because He's an angry God. He's just there to beat you into submission. Well, can I tell you that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament and vice versa? There ain't two. But the correction comes how? Because of Scripture. And He's not an evil God. He is a good, good Father full of love, grace, mercy, and justice. And so one of the biggest ways that Scripture corrects our thinking about God is by revealing His names to us. It's impossible for us to know Him without knowing His name. And it's impossible for us to know His name unless He first, what? Reveals it to us. You remember in the Experience in God exercise, there's 200 names listed in the back, and it says, how many of these have you come to know God by? I would challenge you to read through that list of 200 and say, as a Christian that's been a Christian for more than five years, you can't say God means every one of those to you. Praise God He's revealed Himself through His names. Buddha has 29 names. Allah has 99 names. Our Jehovah God has 200 names. In fact, the Bible Encyclopedia says 956. A to Z, Alpha and Omega. A, He's Abba, He's Daddy. Z, He's our Zur, our Rock. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. We praise Him for revealing His names to us. Second is knowing His name. If we're to sing with David, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. The second thing we must learn is the knowing of God's name. Now sins can be broken down into sins of commission and sins of omission. A sin of commission is to get drunk. I committed it. I did something. A sin of omission is to conveniently live something, leave something out. And James says that if you know what to do that's right and you don't do it, you know what that is? It's sin. And so if I don't share the gospel, I just conveniently leave that out of my life this week, then what is that? It's a sin. I think perhaps the biggest sin of omission is failure to worship God for who He really is. Many Christians neglect the proper worship of God because we can't describe one or two names of God. Some folks have been Christians for 20 to 30 years and they can't articulate three names of God, little less what they mean. And so I'm going to give you a pretest. Y'all ready? Y'all didn't know y'all was coming. Pop quiz. Y'all didn't know y'all was coming to get a pop quiz this morning, did you? Now I'm going to give you this and we're going to test it throughout the time. I mean, y'all tired of Jimmy saying, who wrote Luke? <laughs> but I guarantee you, you know who wrote it. Yeah. 
right. and who he wrote it to right. and why he wrote it. And so y'all might get tired of us testing you, but you're going to know the names of God. And so let me ask you this. Can you give me the three foundational names of God? I personally didn't put them on the screen. And I didn't put them in my Facebook update yesterday because I know y'all cheat. <laughs> Anybody? There they are. The foundational names. Three of them. Elohim. Jehovah and Adonai. Elohim, He's Creator. Jehovah. He didn't just create us, He relates to us. Aren't you thankful? Amen. He didn't just create the universe and then spin it off into orbit. He wants to know your name. He does know your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And then Adonai means, guess what? He's Master. Has somebody say, well, now, Buffy, you're preaching Lordship Salvation. You know, to say that Jesus has got to be Savior and Lord of your life. I didn't know that was optional. If I know Jesus is Savior, I better know Him as Lord because if I don't know Him as Lord, I probably don't know Him as Savior. Alright, how about I'm gonna, uh, next, that's the foundational names. Can you give me three of the compound names of God? That's something and something, like El Shaddai. That's an example. You don't get to use that one. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. You know what it means. Provider. Provider. There we go. Anybody else? Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. I had those two in here. What great minds think alike. You know what that means? God that heals. He's our healer. Aren't you thankful he's our healer? Amen. You might not get healed on this side of glory, but you're going to get healed one day. That's right. All right, and the last one I'll put in there, Jehovah Nissi. He's our banner. He puts His banner over us. Alright, and then these ought to, hopefully you can get, do you know the two incarnational names of God and what they mean? Incarnational. In other words, God in the flesh. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. Means God with us. And what's Jesus. other? Jesus. What does it mean? Savior. Savior, for He will save His people from their sins. <laughs> Y'all did very well. You just didn't get the foundational. Y'all get them next time, right? But here's the thing. How many people say, oh yeah, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. When we go to Winter Extreme, there'll be kids out there, they'll be saying, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? And I'm thinking, yeah, do you really live it? Yes, we can sing it, but do we live it? You can say, yeah, I know Jesus, but do you really know Him? Do you know His names? And I don't mean that you know Him up here. I mean that you know Him right here. Because to know in Scripture always means an intimate knowledge. And so think of it this way. To know Him is a vital, ongoing, growing romance. Vital. That means it ain't just church on Sunday morning. It's every day. And it ain't just take it or leave it. It's life and death. It's ongoing. It ain't one hour out of 168 hours per week. And it's growing. That means that in September of 2018, I know more about it than I did in September of 2017. And right. romance, I don't have a romance but with one woman. And that is Vicki Cook. You don't have a romance with multiple gods. You only have a romance with one God, and that is the God, because He's a jealous God. And so my prayer is that through this series on Sunday, December 30th, your knowledge of God's names will have grown immensely from this Sunday, September 9th, and you'll know God deeper. Your romance with Him will blossom even more. And as we're about to see here, then what will be true is you will worship. W-O-R-S-H-I-P. And I'm going to give you the words for each of those. First, worship. And so look at Psalm 8, because this is where Psalm 8 comes from. Y'all thought I was just going to do like some pastors and read a passage of Scripture and not even talk any about it. Go off on some tangent. First, the W is weighty. Weighty. Look at verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic. That word in the Hebrew means wide, great. How great is your name. The English word worship means worth-ship. It means to give weight or heaviness to. The Hebrew word worship means to depress or prostrate. 
You know why? Because God is weighty and we ain't. The Greek word worship means to kiss like a dog licking its master's hand. And who's higher in that relationship? The dog or the master? The master. And so because God is weighty and we ain't. And so that means a couple of things about worship. One, worship ain't about you. When you show up and you say, well, Brother David, I sure did enjoy worship today. Well, good, I'm glad you did, but it wasn't about you. You didn't create the world and you didn't save the world. We're here for one reason, not to glorify David and not to glorify Buffy Cook. We're here to glorify God. The worship hour is about Him. And worship does not start when the music starts and it does not end when the music ends. The whole thing is worship. The praise we did was worship. The reading of His Word is worship. The singing of songs is worship. Having children come down and not suffering them to come to Jesus and to teach them about Jesus is worship. To give our tithes and offerings is worship. Think about it. Worship's far more in music. You know when worship was invented? Genesis 2.8, when God put Adam in the garden and then had fellowship with Him. You know when music was created? Genesis 4.21. Now, music is important, but let me tell you, it's more than music. And all these churches that fight over music style, it's ridiculous. Number three, it's more than music and it ain't about you and it ain't part of your life, it is your life. We're told to worship Him continually. I don't get to check out from worshiping Him when I leave out of church on Sunday morning. It's to be Sunday to Sunday. All the time. And so for each of these words, I'm going to give you a song because y'all know how I am. I'm bad to Pentecostal. And I love to think of a song or a hymn and it's going to be a song. So under this, you can put the Revelation song. Revelation 1.8, He's Alpha and Omega. 3.14, He's Amen, Faithful and True. 19.13, He's the Word of God. 19.16, He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And 21.6, He's the Alpha and Omega. So worship Him for His name. Second is power. Kind of got to work that one out. P is little and the O is big. And the rest are little. Power. Look at Psalm 8.2. Out of the mouth of babes and infants. Does it say out of the mouths of very strong men? No, because God can take a little bitty baby and do massive powerful things with it, can't He? Think about some of the most powerful names throughout human history. You can just say their first name, their last name, their initials, and your mind is flooded with thoughts. Freud, Pope John Paul II, Henry VIII, MLK, JFK, Stalin, Newton, Hitler, Aristotle, Buddha, Muhammad. Yet who is the goat? The greatest of all time. Even the pagan world has to acknowledge that the greatest of all time is Jesus. A December 2013 Time article. Who's biggest? Who's the goat? The hundred most significant figures in history. Who do you think's number one? Jesus. Anybody that splits time in half is the goat. Oh, Mr. Atheist, you may think you're so hot, but when you write your check, what do you put? 2018, you may not put the A.D., but it's there by implication after the death of Jesus. And Think about the power that He has. He says, you ask anything in My name and what? Believing, you'll get it. There's salvation in what? No other name. Call on Buddha, Muhammad all you want, and it ain't going to get you anything. You call on Jesus, it's going to get you an eternal home and glory. Amen? Alright, the R is revelation. Or character. Look at verse 3 in Psalm 8. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Now if I were to ask you who is Vicki Cook, how might you answer? Friend? Nurse? Mother, put her upper with Buffy Cook. Let me ask you, who would be more qualified to give the fullest answer? 
a prisoner at Tipton County Sheriff's Office, Amy Bowers, or myself. Why? I've lived with her for 18 years. And if I were to ask you who's Jimmy Hicks, how much you answer? And he ain't here, so we get to pick on him today. That's what happens when you don't show up. <laughs> We'd say radio host, pastor, knucklehead, Memphis Tiger fan. Who would be more qualified to give the fullest answer? A uh, 93.5 listener, Phil Ramsey or Melissa Hicks? Phil Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa's shaking her head. She knows. They go on more dates than y'all do, don't they? <laughs> I had to throw it in there for humor. Does good laugh in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's a good medicine. The point is, the more deeply we know someone, the more deeply we know them and the more fully their character has been revealed to us, which begs the question, who's more qualified to know the full character of God? The CME Christian? Y'all know them? Mm -hmm. Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter Christians. Or the Christian that comes twice a month and never reads their Bible, or the Christian that prays without ceasing and reads continually and knows that he's Jehovah Jair, that he is Jehovah Rafi, he's self-sufficient, omnipotent, he's El Shaddai, he's Father, he's Elohim, Adonai, Jesus. And so your song for that, did I give you one on? No, I didn't give you one on. Oh, that's what some of you were looking at. I knew y'all were looking funny. There is Power by Lincoln Brewster for the O. Under R, You Are God Alone by Phillips, Craig, and Dean. S is Supplication. Look at what it says there at the last of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord. What that is is this. O Yahweh Adonai. Let me ask you a very personal question. How often do you practice praying the names of God in your quiet time prayer life? I think for a lot of Christians, it just simply don't exist. And if you look at the pages of Scripture, that just ain't the case. Go on and turn to Daniel chapter 9, and as you're turning there, I'll give you a couple of other instances. Hezekiah in 2 Kings 19, 14-19, six times in praying, says the name Yahweh, five times Elohim, eleven times in five verses he calls on the name of the Lord. The Israelites in Nehemiah 9 when they pray, in seven verses they list 20 attributes of God. And so let's look at Daniel 9. We're going to read one verse for time's sake, but let me tell you, in in 16 verses of a prayer, 28 names are listed. Adonai 10 times, Yahweh 6, Elohim 11, and El 1. Look at Daniel 9, 4. I pray to the Lord my God, to Adonai my Elohim, and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and work, keep His commandments. Brothers and sisters, our prayers ought to be fueled by Scripture and they ought to be fueled by the names of God. A great book is Praying the Names of God by Tony Evans. And then a song for this is Lord, I Need You by Matt Meyer. And then the H is Heart. Look at what it says there, Psalm 8, 4 to 8. What is man that you're mindful of him, the Son of Man, you care for him, yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor, giving him dominion over the works of your hands. If you spend enough time with enough people on this planet, two things you'll quickly come away with is the vast majority of people, and really I would say all outside the Christian faith, are purposeless and hopeless. Purposeless. For thousands of years, people have said, what's the meaning of life? Dr. Hugh Moorhead wrote a uh, article, The Meaning of Life According to Our Century's Greatest Writers and Thinkers, and he asked the greatest thinking people what was their idea on this. Some gave their best guess. Some said they just made one up. Some said they were clueless, and some wrote back to him and said, well, if you've discovered it, please tell us, because we don't know. Can I tell you that the purpose is found in the names of God? That He is Emmanuel, God with us, to show us how to live. That He is Jesus to save His people from His sins 
So you need to be saved. That's where your purpose is. In hopelessness. Do you know what is the seventh leading cause of death in this country? And that I unfortunately have to go out on way too many times? Suicide. Do you know that worldwide there is one suicide every 40 seconds? And what correlates with that up to a six-year period is how hopeless people are. Can I tell you that hope is found only in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hope is found in knowing He is Jehovah Jireh. Hope is found when I get the diagnosis of cancer that He is Jehovah Rapha and He can heal me. And if He don't heal me on this side of glory, He'll heal me on the other side. Amen. The song here is in Christ alone. And then I's identity, look at verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? You go ask a hundred random people at Covenant Walmart who's God and do the same at Amsterdam Shapo Airport. Who is he? They won't know if he's the God of the Bible, the God of Islam, Buddha. They won't know nothing. And then you ask Christians, and I tell you what a lot of Christians will say, he's the great who I want him to be, not the great I am. God never gave the option that he's the great who you want him to be. He is the great I am. That's his identity. And so the song there is Great I Am by Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And then finally, P is praise. Look at how this, the book ends of this song. Exactly the same. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Think about the one man that when the world was morally bankrupt made God smile. Oh Noah. He was a pleasure to the Lord. His first act after surviving the flood, you know what it was? Built an altar. Now Jesus ended animal sacrifices. Aren't you thankful? Of course, if I'm not, my whole backyard would be full of goats and chickens I'd have to kill regularly for my sins. But we are to offer God the sacrifice of praise according to Hebrews 13, 15. I don't think there's a better way to do it than to praise Him for His names. And so a song there is What a Beautiful Name by Hillsong. Alright, next... Thirdly, if we're to sing with David, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, the thing we must do is to learn to hallow God's name. As with all things, our greatest example is who? Jesus. How did he hallow God's name? I'll tell you how he talked the talk and he walked the walk. Talked the talk. He taught us to pray, hallowed be thy name. He said, don't you just praise God for what He's done for you. You praise Him for who He is. He's our Father who art. It ain't God who will be one day or was last week. He is today. In heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means to consider it sacred, to honor it, respect it, hold it in high esteem. We're not to mix His name up with other people's or lump Him in with other people's. We're to treat it with the utmost respect. The Jews were serious about this. They were so serious about it, they wouldn't even pronounce Yahweh. They called Him Adonai because they didn't want to mispronounce His name. And Jesus comes calling God Father. It was radical. Nowhere else did we see that. What is it we've said? Membership has its privileges, but it also has its responsibilities. And I am thankful that I can kneel down at my bed and I can say, Daddy, I need you. But there's a responsibility with that, and that is to hallow His name. If the President of the United States walked into this room, you wouldn't address Him by His first name. I don't care how much you dislike Donald Trump. If Donald Trump walked in this room, you wouldn't say, yo, what's up, Donald? And I don't care how much you dislike Barack Obama. If he walked in that back door, you're not going to say, yo, what's up, Barack? What are you going to do? You're going to stand and you're going to say, Mr. President. And you're going to give him the respect that he owes. Now, do you think if we do that on this earth with people like that, how much more do you think the King of Kings and Lord of Lords deserves? Better treat it with respect. And he talked to talk and then he walked to walk. He said, What? My food, what I've ever eaten, I ain't on keto. I ain't on Atkins. I ain't on this. He said, My food is to do the will of the Father. And what was the will of the Father? That he would come and be humbled and obedient, even to the point of death on a cross. 
So how can I hallow His name? I can grow in the grace and knowledge of His names. I can obey Him wholeheartedly. I can love Him supremely. And I can sin less. When you become a Christian, you're not sinless, but you ought to sin less. And when we don't sin less, you know what you do? You're not hallowing His name. You're abusing His name. And so examine yourself. Are you hallowing His name and you're talking and you walk? Alright, fourth is abusing His name. Read a book, catch a movie, turn on Netflix, go to a sporting event, Miami Hurricanes in Florida State, tune in radio, talk to some co-workers, classmates, you know what the one thing in common is? Over and over you're going to hear the abusing of God's name. That's right. And even as Christians we're tempted to say, eh, no big deal. You obviously ain't read the Ten Commandments. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain because God will not hold anyone guiltless who takes His name in vain. And so I'm going to give us these things quickly because of time's sake, but I had ten things of how we can abuse His name. One is swearing. That's Ephesians 4, 29-30. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. As my wife says, would you kiss your mama with that mouth? Would you go kiss Jesus on the lips with that mouth? Then why would you say the stuff that you say? But see, that's the problem. We think abusing His name is only that, cussing and swearing. Second is profaning. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Don't empty it of its meaning. Don't strip it away of its value. Could you imagine if society profane the name of Muhammad like it does that of Jesus? Be jihad everywhere. Third is swear falsely by it. Jesus said don't take an oath at all. You let your yes be yes and your no be no. You be very careful if you make a vow or a promise or an oath to the Lord. Well, Lord, if you will just let me get out of this situation right here, I promise you better watch yourself. Because God will not be mocked. He does not take the abusing of His name lightly. And that's one way to abuse it is to swear falsely by it. Alright? Four is to prophesy falsely in His name. I could give you all a couple of well-known pastors that would go along with that, but you all know them. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Amen? Don't just believe whoever is preaching in the pulpit. You better get a spirit of discernment. And if they're prophesying false in His name, don't listen. Fifth is forget His name. In other words, you can attribute good to someone or something else. You can say, well, I'm just this great Christian because I'm so great. No, you're that great Christian because if it wasn't the power of God working in you, you wouldn't even be able to be able to do that. You're forgetting His name. Tony Evans says this, he said, we will sometimes use God's name at the beginning of an event or at the end, but leave Him out of the program in between. Hmm. I heard a lot of Christian songs and a lot of biblical preaching that forget his name. You know what I mean? Six is defile his name. Remember what Jesus said? He said, oh, y'all, y'all draw near to me, but y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? We defile his name with our hypocritical living and our hypocritical worship. Think about it. You are a Christian, a little Christ. And if you don't act like Him and talk like Him, then guess what? You're defaming His name. David did well. Dr. Craig and I talk about it week in and week out. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that the two commandments that Jesus told us to live by, if you'll just get busy loving God and loving people, there's so much to do to do that, you won't be able to be involved in all the drama on Facebook. And to be honest, you probably won't even care what the Tennessee score is. Seven is despise His name. God will not be mocked. I think the greatest way we despise His name is we think too highly of our own. We're a bunch of glory thieves. Eight, define His name by our own wishes and desires. You know what we want? We want a God we can just tattoo on our body or on our bumper sticker or a coffee mug. Y'all seen these? God's my co-pilot. God ain't nobody's co-pilot. 
He is the pilot. Coffee gets me going. Jesus keeps me rolling. No, you wouldn't have got up and turned on the coffee pot if Jesus hadn't given you breath to get out of the bed. And I might make some of you mad and we got a little time, but I'm going to throw this one in here because I'm sick and tired of hearing it. Calvinism and Arminianism. Can I tell you that both of those are man-made philosophies that confine God more than God Himself defines Himself. I'm sick of Southern Baptists fighting over that. God, as Tony Evans said, will not be confined to your little genie bottle. Here is the thing. God is sovereign and every man on this planet is responsible to make a decision for or against Jesus Christ. Let the chips otherwise fall where it is. Here's your responsibility. Jesus said, go preach the gospel to every creature. Stop fighting, brothers and sisters. We're in a 17-year decline. And you know what we want to say? We'll say, well, it's because of this, and we ain't done this, and this program, and we need to do this. No! Southern Baptists ain't sharing the gospel. That's it, plain and simple. I don't care if you're a Calvinist, an Arminius, a nine-point Calvinist, a three-point Calvinist, a hundred-point Arminian. We need to share the gospel because people are dying and going to hell without it. And when we sit here and we try to define God more than He wants to be defined or more than you can fit in your little teeny tiny brain, it's abusing His name. You don't take that one for what it's worth. Nine is abuse His name. Use it for our own purposes. You know what Satan did? He said, did God really say? Did Elohim really say? Because you see in Genesis 2, to three, God had defined Himself as Jehovah Elohim, as the relational God, the God who is over man. And He said, well, let me just throw this out because I don't really want God to be in charge of me. Many Christians do that and ten is misuse His name. Y'all ever heard some of these? Think about it. I talked about it earlier. We attribute philosophies to Scripture. Look. There ain't no such thing as luck. Even a cast of the die, who has control of it? God. What about karma? That don't exist. You ever heard this? Cleanliness is next to godliness and people say it says that in the Bible? No, it don't. Money is the root of all evil? It don't say that either. The lion shall lay down with the lamb? It don't say that. My favorite is God is not going to put on you more than you can handle. Now you find me chapter and verse for that one. Because Paul said he was crushed. He was distraught. What he said is my strength is sufficient. The point being here, brothers and sisters, taking God's name in vain goes much farther than a sailor swearing or a teenager saying OMG. And so let it... The song for this, I put a song in for this one, is The Blessing. Y'all heard that by John Waller? Let it be said of us that we live to be a blessing for life. Let it never be said of us that we abuse God's name. Amen? Finally and quickly is that we are to fear His name. Remember several weeks back I said the fear of God's rather out of fashion these days. What we need in the church is a healthy dose of fear of the Lord. What was said of Job in Job 1.1, he was a man who what? Was upright and feared God. Proverbs 1.7, the beginning of knowledge is what? The fear of the Lord. Solomon says, I've done everything and I've got, I'm the smartest dude on the planet. If he's the smartest dude on the planet, don't you want to listen to what he has to say? He said, let me sum up life for you. Here it is. Fear God and keep His commandments. And so brothers and sisters, we need a healthy fear in Psalm 86 1 or 11 it says that we are to fear the name of the Lord and I think one of the best ways to fear his name is to study his name and that's what we're going to do the rest of this series and so I'm closing any of you sports fanatics I mean I was thankful that all of my football teams won this week. That's a rarity. Eagles won, the Chargers really won, and the Vols won. Think about what happens at a sporting event. Football, quarterback throws a touchdown, what's he do? 
He's like, yeah. God catches the touchdown and scores it. What's he do? He jumps up in the crowd. What are they saying? Give it up. Give me my due. Baseball. Guy cranks a walk-off homer. What happens? He just trot around the bases and that's it? There's a hundred dudes waiting on him to mob him when he gets to home plate and dump Gatorade on his head because why? They're giving it up. Basketball, you hit a three-pointer. What's Seth do? He walks back down doing like this. <laughs> Block a shot. Buzzer beater. What's the crowd do? Rush out on the court. They're giving it up. Hockey. That's the one I want to play is hockey. Not because it's rough, but because every time you score, there's a big horn that blows. And if you score three, they just start throwing catfish and hats out on the ice. You know why they give it up? Wouldn't it be unbelievable if we gave it up to God, the worship that we often give sports and athletes? Hmm. An amazing thing happens when we learn God's name. You know what we'll do? We'll give it up. Did He wake you up this morning? Has He supplied all your needs? You got food on your table? Has He healed your body? You got clothes on? You're in your right mind? Most of us are. You've been through trials like Job? And through it all, He gave you the peace that passes understanding? If He did then we're going to know how in fear and never abuse this great name. We're going to give it up. And that's what I hope we do when we leave this series is we're able to worship Him better. And with David, we'll give it up. We'll say, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for this time. You've given us to gather together and open Your Word, Father, and to hear it proclaimed. Father, I pray that the application of it starts with me. That, Father, that You will teach me how to fear Your name, how to hallow it, to know it better, Father, and never to abuse it. And I pray that it would then extend to each and every one of us here today. Father, I pray as we come at this time of invitation that, Father, you would bless it. Father, if there's anyone here that needs to make a decision, whatever it may be, for you and for Jesus, Father, that they would not turn a deaf ear to it. That, Father, as you call, that they would listen. We ask that you would bless now this time of invitation. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so, let me tell you. I don't care what Oprah tells you. You can't all get to heaven in different little rowboats. Because the Bible is clear. There's salvation in no one else. You know what that means in the Greek? No one else. Except who? Jesus. Because there is no other name given under heaven by which men, listen to this, must be saved. If you are here today and you can hear my voice, do you understand that salvation is not an option? You must be saved. If you don't and you take your last breath and they call me out there to pronounce you and before you took your last breath, you rejected Jesus Christ, you have condemned yourself. You, Jesus and God did not send you to hell. You did. You rejected His free gift. And you will spend an eternity away from God in a condition that we can't even begin to fathom. Why would you want that for yourself? You must be saved. And so do you know Jesus? And I don't mean here, I mean here. As Dr. Rogers says, there's 18 inches between heaven and hell. And is that knowledge translated to fruit? Jesus comes out to your fig tree. Does He see figs on it? If not, then you may be fooling yourself. And here's the most important thing. Does Jesus know you? You see, if I show up at the White House and I say, hey, y'all let me in. I know Donald. You think they're going to just open the gates and say, come on in, man. We didn't know you knew Donald. What are they going to do? They're going to call up and they're going to say, yo, Donald, you know this crazy cat out here wearing a Tennessee outfit? No, you don't know him? Okay. Dude, you ain't getting in. The application is this. When you show up to heaven, oh, I know Jesus. What are they going to do? Jesus, you know this guy? You know what he's going to do? He's going to open a book. 
You know what he's going to do? He's going to look to see, is your name in it? I got the Lamb's Book of Life right here. No, I'm sorry. His name's not in there. Depart from me. I never knew you. And so can I tell you one day soon and very soon, perhaps sooner than you could ever imagine, when the rose called up yonder is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know Jesus? But most importantly, does He know you? Three ways you believe, you receive, and you repent. You believe that the only thing that is sufficient to grant you entrance into heaven is the righteousness of Christ. You ain't good enough and there ain't enough good stuff you can do to grant yourself admission into heaven. And then you receive. A gift has to be received. You receive that gift. You come and you come down here and you confess Him today. And then you submit to Him in public baptism. And then you repent of your sins. It don't mean that you get to then have get out of hell free card in your back pocket and go live however you want. It means you go live for Jesus and you turn away from your sins. And so as we sing today, if you've never received Christ as your Lord, let today be the day or any other decision that you need to make be it membership, be it baptism, as we sing, listen to the Lord. So I'll stand, let's stand to page 321. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let Him come in? Nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Time after time he has waited before, and now he is waiting again to see if you're. Thank you.